I wanted to uh, talk about um, what, how God is dealing with us. He's raising us up. He's strengthening us, giving us more understanding of who he is than ever before. And if you, you might say, well, no, it's not happening with me. Well, that means that you're not in the stream. You know, that God is revealing himself so much and showing us things in the scripture that, that we actually sort of passed over or just maybe took somebody's word for something and never really looked into it. And I've really appreciated this uh, this lesson in Romans. I really appreciated it. Um, and so my title today is Romans chapter 10. So, and this is, I believe, part two. Um, let me start back. I'm going to start in the very first verse, Romans 10, 1, just to give you some context and then we'll, we'll move on. And I, I titled this, Israel Needs the Gospel. But now we all need the gospel, but Israel certainly needed the gospel. They were God's people, God's covenant people. They had all the promises of God, you know, and uh, they, had, they were children or seed of Abraham. They had it all. The only people group in the whole, on the whole planet. Yeah. I don't know if that uh, speaks to you like it does to me. You know, all these various people groups, and they're the only ones. Yeah. They, they were on the end with God. And the rest of us were just like bugs on the ground. It's true. We didn't know whether God was in, like us or like that, whatever. We, we, our ancestors were just nutty and crazy. But, but this letter, Paul writes um, to the, the believers at Rome so that they would grow properly, grow properly, grow properly. And you and I must grow properly. If we don't grow properly, we are a problem. We have to grow properly. And so he is writing this letter that they all might do that. And so I would like to encourage you and challenge some of you. I remember being in Mexico once preaching and my, my interpreter did not interpret it correctly. And I knew just enough Spanish to know that he didn't say what I said. I said, because uh, I knew the word for challenge. And I said, I'm, I'm challenging these people. He said, Pastor, you don't do that down here. <clears throat> so since I'm up here, I'm going to challenge you. Uh, I want you, you to be all that God wants you to be. All that God wants you to be. You owe that to Jesus. You owe it to him. Let's read. He reads in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness or I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So they are eager for God. They are very fervent in spirit for God, uh, but they are doing it in the wrong way. So it's not, a, it's not like you can serve God in your own way. I know all, if you're my age or, or thereabout, you've heard that a thousand times. Well, he, know, he knew God in his own way. You can't know, know God in your own way. It's an impossibility. You, you have to know God as he prescribes it. Not describes it, but he prescribes it. That's how you have to know God. And then the, the blessings are immeasurable immeasurable. So he says they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, not according to the knowledge of God. For they being ignorant, unaware, ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. And listen, if you're ignorant of God's righteousness, you're going to have a righteousness, but it's not going to be the right one. And so, so they were ignorant of God's righteousness, unaware of God's righteousness, and they, they um, 
As a result, they sought to establish their own righteousness, and therefore they had not submitted to the righteousness of God. What a terrible thing. So then we go to verse 4. Verse 4 um, reads, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Every one of us in this house and every one of us online or wherever you may be, you must have the righteousness of God. It's not what you think. It's not your opinion. It's the righteousness of God. And then he tells us that there's one destination for the law. The law is desire or, or intent was to take you or, or bring you to Jesus Christ. Because the law says you can't do this. The law says you just broke the rule. You know, have you ever maybe uh, was found speeding and you were driving your vehicle and you were speeding and you said to the law, to the policeman, well, I didn't see the speed limit. It didn't matter. You broke the law. I remember saying that. I know none of you has ever said that, but I know I remember saying that. I said, officer, I didn't see the sign. I was, I'm sure that the 35 is the speed limit and all over. He says, sir, it's 30. It's 30. I said, okay. And so he wrote me out something. <laughs> That's the law. But the law of God was always telling us what we were not, showing us our limitations, but not, never ever changing us. The, the law is not meant to, as it were, change you. It's not meant to change you. It's, the, it's meant to correct you. That behavior is not allowed. So for Christ is the end of the law. So that means when the law has done its job and you have been frustrated on, on not being able to do what God requires, the law has done its job. You say, I need some help. And, and in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about uh, the law and our relationship to the law. And he talks about uh, the futility of our really thinking that we can do what the law requires. And we'll talk about that if we have time in a moment. But the, James, the, the scripture tells us that if you and I miss, we do 99.999% and then we don't do that other little bit, we're guilty of breaking the whole thing. Yeah, right. And that's an exercise in futility, right. trying to keep the law. Only one person has ever kept the law. Only one person, Jesus Christ, has kept the law. And since that one person only kept the law, he should be the one that we're all running to. It doesn't matter what we grew up in. We could have grown up as a Muslim. We could have grown up as a Buddhist uh, or some other uh, religion, as it were. But our goal must be Jesus. Must be Jesus. Jesus. Amen. 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 In Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, uh, these are some of my scriptural witnesses because Paul says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, for righteousness to everyone who believes, everyone who has faith. And in Matthew 5, 17, he says, do not think, Jesus is speaking, do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So Jesus did not come to destroy, but to bring it to completion. 
For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Till all is fulfilled. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 22 through 25, sort of support the scripture. They support what we're saying in Romans 10, 4. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So what I am saying is that no one, no matter how good you say you are, can you remember when people would, would pass away, somebody would say, oh, but they were a good person. I'm sure they're in heaven. All of our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. So the best we can do is filth. Uh, that's that's, that's mind-boggling, isn't it? And so that means we need somebody other than ourselves. Paul said it like this. He, said, he kept talking about how, how, fut- how futile it was to try to keep the law and how the law basically tells you who you are and how bad you are. And he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? He said that after saying, you know, I want to do the right thing, but I don't do the right thing. So the thing I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And he concludes, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. I thank God through Jesus Christ. It's like saying, I thank God for Jesus, you know. Yeah. And, and this is why I, who I am and why I am. I was talking to our brother Joshua just a short while before we dedicated that baby. And I was just com- congratulating him and complimenting him because he's just smarter than any human being needs to be. And so I, I was complimenting him on the baby and uh, was talking to him about maybe I said to him early on, don't let the world system mold you into something you're not. You know, no matter what the rewards are, you don't do that. And we were, we were talking about uh, down those lines. And I, I think that right now the danger uh, for all of us is that we are guilty of allowing the world to do that. Paul says, the thing I don't want to do, I find myself doing, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God. Through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is my hero. Jesus is the one that I talk about the most. Jesus should be your conversation as well. Because you are where you are, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. So in Galatians chapter 3, verses 22 through 25... Paul writes there to the Galatians, but the scripture has confined all under sin. This is amazing. That the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So God concluded everybody under the sin. Under sin. Why? Because nobody could do what God required. Only Jesus did what God required. And then he says in verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. So the law did what it was supposed to be to do. It kept us under guard. It kept us in check until Jesus came. It kept us for the faith which would be revealed afterwards. Verse 24 says, therefore the law, as a result of what Paul had just said, he said the law was our tutor 
to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. I like the idea of the law keeping us under guard. I like the law being our tutor, instructing us. It wasn't basically, in my view, it's not saying like the law was saying, oh, you're going to get it right in just a minute. Just keep trying, baby. Yeah, it's just, you know, yes, write it down like this. No, the law is saying you can't do it. Keep trying, but you can't do it. And so at some juncture, we come to the place where we go, I can't. And God said, finally got it. You can't. And that's Jesus has done it for you. That's one of the greatest things I think about the scriptures is that you couldn't make the grade. God sent somebody to take your test, make the grade, and then give you credit for it. That's mind-boggling to me. All you got to do is believe that God sent him. Salvation is so amazing. Salvation is so simple. Salvation is so easy. And we have people, well, I don't know if I believe it. Well, do you believe that you're going to die one day? Every time you go to a funeral, you believe you're going to die? I like to give altar calls at funerals. I do. Every one of them. Doesn't matter where I am, I give them. I remember one time I was giving one and there was all these bikers there. That man, they were twoed up. Nothing wrong with twos. Nothing wrong with twos. Hey, nothing wrong with tattoos. Hey, all right. <laughs> I said something about a tattoo one day, brother. I said, hey, what's wrong with it? I said, hey, nothing, bro. <laughs> but they were, they were tough. They were tough dudes, and they were all sitting in this section over, and, and I was talking about how the young lady had led her dad to the Lord. He had been one of those guys, and that's and, uh, how he had led it. And then the Holy Spirit just said, talk about macho men. And I started to talk about macho men. And I started to talk about how that macho men aren't macho in hell. You need to yield yourself to God. Salvation, that is like saying when you reject somebody like Jesus who took your place on the cross, who went into death for you and came out on the other side and you're still talking about, I need to think about it some more. (laughs) Que lastima. It's a vergüenza también. It's a shame. It's a pity. Amen. Amen. Now let's keep on. I got off a little bit. Verse 25 says, but after faith has come, we're no longer under the tutor. And so the law has done its job, but faith has now come. We're no longer under the tutor. In Romans 11.32, for God has, Romans 11.32, for God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. I love this. So if one person... Um, uh, other than Christ, had kept the law, then the Lord, the Lord would have had, God would have had to condemn the rest of the human race. But because Jesus did it for us, God has mercy on everybody. Amen. On everybody. Let's take another look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Just one more time. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who, are, who know the law, it's 7-1, Romans 7-1, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Do you know that? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. So that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. 
Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. You have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another. This is so amazing of God. And so what God did was he took us into death through Jesus Christ. He took us into death because Jesus died for us. Jesus died as us. And I know you've heard me say this many times, but I'm going to say it obviously many times more. Jesus died for you. He died as you. He didn't die for you as you so you could still be a legalist person. Amen. And I know about that. Listen, I tell, I tell you all the time, I grew up in a great church, wonderful church, still a great church. And most of the things that I know about God, I learned there. But I learned a couple of things that I don't want to take. The legalistic part of it. You know, the part that, you know, you, you, can't, you can't wear that dress because it's too tight while you got on tight pants. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't do that, and you can't do that, and, and, and you got to dress this way, and you got to dress that way, all this legalism. My dad, I love my father, even it's mem- in memory, because he taught me as a teenager, he said, he said, son, he said, don't ever preach, and I, I'm thinking, what do you mean don't ever preach? I'm not going to do it, like, hey. <laughs> but don't ever preach to a woman's hymn line. i never forget that. He said, when God gets the heart, he gets the hymn line. Yeah. Don't preach to somebody's pocketbook because when God gets the heart, God has the pocketbook. That's right. Yeah. That's who God is. And so the Bible says here that we are free to, to marry him. And speaks, he speaks of a marital relationship because salvation is similar to a marriage relationship or a marriage relationship is similar to salvation. You know, in that, in that once you have consummated the relationship you can never unconsummate it you can never do that it's an impossibility and so what God wants to show us here is that he orchestrated this new relationship that we would have and that we would be married to Christ what that we may bear fruit to God so that means that all of our produce now should be God worthy That's what God wants. Even our children, that they are, the Bible says they're clean. Yeah. Even our children, yes, they have to receive Jesus, but they are clean. God says, I hate divorce. I hate it. So if I've been divorced, then am I condemned? Absolutely not. But God says, I hate it. So his perfect desire is that I would have children from that relationship. They would be clean. Let's look at um, let's look at Galatians four five. Galatians four five says that four four and then four five. Would you write put that up there for me? Galatians four four. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. It's very important. I don't have time to elaborate. It has to do with God's relationship with the woman in the Garden of Eden when He told Eve that the seed of the woman is going to crush the, Satan's head. I believe that the devil hates women. Yeah. More than he hates men too, but less than he hates women. 
Why? Because it was that Nazarene that crushed his head, broke his skull in, I tell you. And the devil is not, he, somebody says he's alive, but he's not alive and well because he's had a migraine for 2,000 years. I, I'm telling you, 2,000 years, a migraine headache, buffering can't help him, etcedrin can't help him. Hallelujah. Nothing can help him. Yeah, yeah. And so he hates women. And this is says, he says, so he says, he was born under a woman, then born under the law. So Jesus came under the law. All this was strategic for, with God. He's born under the law. Why? That he might redeem those who were under the law. That we might receive the adoption as sons. And, and so the thing we want to do is, is differentiate between our, our sonship by spiritual birth and our sonship by adoption. We want to differentiate that, but I don't have time to go into it right now. But I will Wednesday. <laughs> verse 5, verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. This is what he says. This is so strong. The man who does those things shall live by them. So Leviticus 18.5 says, Leviticus 18.5 is where Paul gets this. He says, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments. Which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. See, the law is unyielding. Now, you may have had favorite, uh, uh, favorite gotten received favoritism from the police. But if you're breaking the law, I think if the police see somebody stealing something, you're stealing, then say, um, uh, tell you what, that's all right. No. The law says, I'm arresting you. But don't you know my daddy? Doesn't matter. I'm arresting you. But you know my mom? I'm arresting you. Hey, man, I have a great education. Be quiet. Turn around. I'm arresting you. I'm going to handcuff you. The law is unyielding. And I'm not going to let you go because you're cute. And Paul makes this point very well. In James chapter 2, verse 10, James, the apostle James, he writes, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Wow. You don't want legalism, brother. You don't want legalism, sister. You want grace. We've been, we're, and grace doesn't mean, as somebody said, sloppy agape. It doesn't mean that you've got this love and you're just sloppy with it. No, no. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. And that God accrues to your benefit all that Jesus is and all that he's done for you. And that, that means to me, if you didn't walk away from that, man, there's no help for you. Let's look at verse 6. And we're going to come to a close. But it's mind-boggling that the, all the people want legalism and, and the law. As I said previously, keep 99.999. Yes. And then you stumble in that 0.001. You said, that's minuscule, God. He said, but that's righteous. That's right. You got to keep it all. But I embrace the one who kept it all. And it accrues to my account. It's credited to my account. Why? Because faith, I believe in it. Verse 6, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Christ has already done that. He's already descended. 
and I sinned it. We don't have to do it over again. You have to believe the story. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The gospel is the word of faith. Just believe, just trust what God says. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Not you might be saved. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Hallelujah. There's something about believing on God and God saying yes to you. There's something very intimate about it. It's an intimate relationship in that once the Spirit of God penetrates your heart, God has consummated the relationship. And one thing I know about consummation, you can never say, I was not intimate. You can never say it. So God will never say, I don't know you. Why? Because John says, if you're born of God, you will overcome the world. I'm born of God. I've had a lot of failures in my life. Well, some. I had one of temperament. I know you can't, you, it's hard to believe. I, I, as a young kid, I, I never was a, a bully, never was, never. But I protected kids who were being bullied. And if I had to, I'd, do a, I'd go a little bit beyond what was necessary. But then I go to church and I just repent, cry. You know why I kept going? Because the Spirit of God had entered my heart and it saved me. Amen. And this is what God wants you to know. That you can be saved too. And I want you to come to him today in Jesus' name. I'm going to go take a seat for a moment. I'm going to come back. Our sister Vanessa is going to sing just so you'll make up your mind. But if you come to Jesus today, the Bible says he will not cast you out. And there will be many times, perhaps, when you will feel faithless. You look at me. There have been times in my life when I felt faithless. Maybe some of you out there, you can say, Pastor, I've never felt faithless. And I would say, you just failed because life happens to us all. There have been times I felt faithless. But you know what? He remained faithful. That's why I'm here today. I'm not here because my faith was greater than your faith. Faith is faith. But he will save you. He will save you. He won't tease you. He'll save you. He won't play a game with you. He'll save you. He'll save you. He'll save you. And I want you to come to Jesus today. 
and I'm going to go to my seat for a moment. And I want you to think about it. All right, I want you to think about it. And when you make mistakes, you ask for forgiveness. And you know what? He will forgive you. It's amazing to me. Where do you find that goodness other than in God? And if you're online, I want you to do the same. I want you to talk to our moderator, Miss Virginia, and tell us, look, I want to be saved. Or you might say to her, I've not lived the way I should have lived. I want to ask God to forgive me. She'll help you do that as well. So I'll be back in a minute. Sister Vanessa.